Good evening. Welcome to tonight's live and interactive telephone town hall. Tonight, I am joined by the Alberta Pension Plan public engagement panel, including panel chair Jim Dinning and panel members Mary Ritchie and Moyen Yaya. Before we hear from our speakers, let me explain how this town hall will work. Right now, residents from across the Edmonton area are connecting to the call, and soon you will have a chance to join the conversation. You can get it in line to join the conversation right now or at any time by pressing star three on your phone, and you'll be connected to an operator who will ask you for your name and community. If you don't feel comfortable sharing your comments live, you can tell the operator that you'd like to have the moderator read it for you. We hope to use this time to have a two-way conversation about the Alberta Pension Plan. The panel wants to hear your ideas, your suggestions, as well as answer any questions you may have. Now, I would like to welcome Jim Dinning, Chair of the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel to share a few opening remarks. Well, thank you, Colin, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our fourth town hall meeting this week in Edmonton and across the capital region. My name is Jim Dinning, and for 20 years, I served in the Alberta government as a public servant, then as a member of the Alberta Legislative Assembly and a cabinet minister until 1997. Today, I'm uh, in business and serve on various corporate and not-for-profit boards of directors. We're joined tonight by uh, my fellow panelists, both of whom are from Edmonton. Mary Ritchie is a respected chartered accountant and corporate director. Mary was Alberta's first nominee to serve on the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board. And Moin Yaya is a respected law professor at the University of Alberta, and Moin served on the government's Fair Deal panel. And it was that Fair Deal panel that got us here. They recommended that the government examine an Alberta pension plan, so the government did. They commissioned an independent study from a Toronto-based pension expert called Morneau Chappelle, now known as LifeWorks, to crunch the numbers and see if an Alberta pension plan could work. The government released their report a few weeks ago and at the same time created our independent panel to listen to Albertans, help with some information along the way, and report back on what we heard. Now, I left politics a quarter of a century ago, and even when I was a politician, I cared more about public policy than politics. And that's why I agreed to chair this panel, because for something this big, it's important to have a rational adult discussion. These days, there aren't enough of those, so we want to have one here. For some people, this whole idea of an Alberta pension plan is a non-starter, no matter what, the answer is no, full stop. I get that. For other people, the answer is yes, no matter what. More Alberta, less Ottawa, they say. I get that too. For many people though, the answer is maybe. Maybe, but it just depends. And that's why we want to hear your comments tonight. Since we began our engagement process uh, last month, we've had some events. One of them uh, was around the, the debate over, over the number, the value of assets that would come from the Canada Pension Plan to an Alberta plan if one was created. A few days ago, Premier Smith announced that Albertans will have a hard number 
before they're asked to vote in any kind of a referendum about an Alberta pension plan. And then two weeks ago, the federal government said it would ask Canada's chief actuary to estimate what Albertans' share of CPP assets is. No doubt that will not be the final one. There's still plenty of debate and negotiation to be done, but at least we will have a second actuarial calculation on the table because so far the only actuarial study that's been done is the Morneau-Chapelle report. So there is more to come on that front. But beyond the number, there's plenty more to talk about and that's why Mary and Maureen and I are here to listen to you tonight. We're not here as advocates, we're here as listeners. We try to be good listeners and we're here less to answer questions and more to hear your comments on the other important issues. In the end, you are the jury. Our job is to tell the government, here is what Albertans told us. These are their thoughts and concerns. And then it will be up to the government to decide how to proceed. So I'm gonna turn it over to my fellow panelists now, first to Mary Ritchie. Mary? Thank you, Jim, and hello, everyone. My name is Mary Ritchie. In terms of background, my formal training is as a chartered accountant, and over the years, I've provided advice to many public and private companies, particularly regarding financial oversight and auditing. I also had the privilege of serving on the first board of the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board which was created in 1997 to manage the assets of the CPP. So I bring a unique perspective to this, having seen and experienced how the CPP's pension funds are managed right from its beginning. I know from experience how crucial it is for people's pension assets to be managed well. So that's an area where we really hope to gain insight tonight. If Alberta left the CPP and started an Alberta plan, there would be a huge pension fund to manage. I know people have different views about the size of Alberta's share, and Jim has indicated that there needs to be a firm number of what that share is. But regardless of the exact number, it would be significant. So a big question is, how would Albertans want this managed? What should oversight look like? And how do you balance independence with accountability? And what kind of mandate would be best? The CPP Investment Board has a mandate to achieve a maximum rate of return without an undue risk of loss. Quebec does something similar with their plan, but they also allow their pension fund to be used to stimulate economic development in Quebec. Is that a model to consider? We really look forward to your feedback on this as we will use it to develop our recommendations. And as Jim has indicated, we have been giving the government feedback all along the way as we are conducting these, uh, these panels. So if you have some thoughts on this, please press three to let us know. And with that, I will turn things over to Moyen. Uh, thank you. Uh, my, um, I was uh, one of the first members of the uh, Alberta Fair Deal panel uh, that was appointed by Premier Jason Kenney a few years ago to look into various ways that Alberta could take certain steps to strengthen its position within Confederation. 
And uh, one of the recommendations that the panel made was to look into uh, and examine further the question of setting up an Alberta pension plan. And that was because we received uh, substantial feedback uh, during our fair deal panel consultations. And I just want to take the opportunity at this point to just correct something I uh, said at the last town hall. Uh, I was asked at the last town hall how this idea had come about. And in answering that question, I was uh, fumbling a little bit with my words, and I realized later on it came out uh, not the way I intended it to. So what uh, I may have said was that there was no opposition to the idea, and that is incorrect. There was a lot of discussion, and a lot of uh, people were concerned. So in, in that sense, there was opposition to the idea of an Alberta pension plan, there was, but there was also a lot of support. Uh, those who were uh, opposed to uh, setting up an Alberta pension plan were expressing certain concerns. Uh, those are the type of concerns that we are hearing in these uh, town halls, and uh, the Alberta Fair Deal Panel uh, report noted those concerns, but also noted that there was uh, good uh, reasons for setting up an Alberta pension plan that would strengthen Alberta's position within Confederation. And so the Fair Deal Panel recommended to the government that it engage in a proper uh, actuarial study that looked at exactly what uh, our options are and how much money we could uh, take out of the current uh, CPPIB, the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board's uh, assets, and uh, what the benefits, uh, advantages, and disadvantages would be. And the Fair Deal Panel recommended the government also take into account those concerns that the Fair Deal Panel had uh, expressed. And so with that, the government of Alberta commissioned the LifeWorks report and has set up this panel uh, and uh, asked uh, Jim, Mary, and myself to be sort of a listening board for the for Albertans, specifically on the question of Alberta pensions. And so with that, uh, the, our goal is to hear your feedback and uh, write a uh, put a report back to the government uh, with outlining sort of the technical parameters that the government would have to um, take into account uh, if it decided to go ahead with proposing the question via a referendum. Just uh, very briefly before we get uh, to the uh, main uh, program, I just want to um, outline that constitutionally, uh, provinces uh, can set up their own uh, pension plan. That is, uh, uh, Quebec decided to opt out right from the get-go, but other provinces have the option under the Canada Pension Plan Act to also withdraw. And there is a formula in the Canada Pension Plan Act that lays out how much the province would get as it ex exits the pension plan. That formula um, seems clear to me, but uh, it seems uh, maybe it's not clear to, or maybe others may claim it's not clear. And as Jim mentioned, this may uh, end up in the courts. Uh, the federal government has committed now to giving us a number, so that's great. We have our number, uh, but that's uh, one parameter in this discussion. And we're excited to hear the rest of these parameters that uh, you may have on your uh, mind in the following discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Moyen, and uh, thank you to the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel for those opening remarks. For those of you who may have just connected, welcome to tonight's Telephone Town Hall about the Alberta Pension Plan. Joining us this evening are panel chair Jim Dinning and panel members Mary Ritchie and Moyen Yaya. If you'd like to connect to the conversation right now or at any time during the town hall, please press star three on your phone and you'll be entered into the queue. For those of you listening online, please enter your comments directly into the portal. 
To start the conversation tonight, the panel would like to ask a quick poll question. For those of you joining by phone, I will now direct your attention to the keypad. After I've asked the question, please choose your answer by selecting the corresponding number on your phone keypad. Please listen to all the options before you make a selection. For those of you listening online, you'll see the poll on the portal and you can choose your answer directly there. Our first question for you tonight is, what concerns you most about an Alberta pension plan? Press one for how the fund asset will be managed. Press two for whether my pension will be lower than CPP. Press three for whether my pension will follow me if I move in and out of Alberta. Or press four for I do not have enough information yet. Again, those are press one for how the asset fund will be managed. Press two for whether my pension will be lower than CPP. Press three for whether my pension will follow me if I move in and out of Alberta or press four for I do not yet have enough information. Thank you for that. I'd like to take the first question of the evening. Uh, it comes from Susan at Edmonton Online. Uh, what would happen if someone enrolled in an APP and then moved elsewhere in the country? Uh, Jim, I would uh, open the floor to you to start the question. Well, good evening, Susan, and thank you for the question. Uh, the, 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 the plan would be set up, if it was to be set up, there would be uh, portability and reciprocity agreements that would allow that person, you, if it was you working here for 10 years, and then you move to, to Ontario or move to Quebec or British Columbia, your pension, your 10 years of pensionable service would follow you and would be would go into the calculation once you chose to retire. And I'll only use myself as an example in that I worked in Quebec for two years in my uh, in my 20s. I was making a very modest salary at the time, but I know that when I chose to retire and chose to retire in Alberta to take my CPP, that that two years worth of service would have been would have been credited to the Canada Pension Plan so that they would be able to pay for all of my years of work, including Quebec. And so I, I hear your question. Portability is a big concern for, for people because there's lots of movement across our country. And we take note of your question and behind it a concern to make sure that there is portability uh, across the country and, and out of the country uh, internationally as well. So thanks for the, qu the question, Susan. Thank you for that, Jim. Uh, we understand there are lots of callers on the line, so please stay uh, on the call and we will get to your questions as soon as possible. The panel would like to ask a second poll question. For those of you joining by phone, I will now direct your attention to the keypad. After I've asked the question, please choose your answer by selecting the corresponding number on your phone keypad. Please listen to all the answers before you make a selection. For those of you listening online, you will see the poll on the portal and you can choose your answer directly there. Our second question for tonight is, what interests you the most about an Alberta pension plan? Press one for the possibility of lower pension premiums for large paychecks. Press two for the possibility of higher pension payments for seniors. Press three for having our pension assets and options under Alberta's jurisdiction. And press four for the possibility of spin-off jobs and a stronger financial sector. Again, those options are press one for the possibility of lower pension premiums for large paychecks, press two for the possibility of having higher pension payments for seniors, 
Press three for having our pension assets and options under Alberta's jurisdiction. Press four for the possibility of spin-off jobs and a stronger financial sector. Excellent. Now let's get to our first caller of the evening. Chris in Edmonton, you're live with the panel. Go ahead. Sorry, do you mean Cliff? Hi, Chris, you're live with Oh, maybe it's Cliff, sorry, go ahead. Yes, yes. Um, my question is, how are we going to continually fund um, an Alberta pension plan considering the numbers we have in our population? Mary, do you want to try that one? You bet. So thank you, Jim, and thank you, Cliff. Uh, it will have to be continuously funded by the participants. So that means those who are paying in would continue to pay in. And as we've said, we're not sure if uh, there might be an ability to pay less, receive more benefits, or, or some other combination thereof. But those participants would continually fund it, as well as those people who are taking out money would still receive their money. As well, those people who have paid into the CPP would receive a payment from the CPP Investment Board as well. I think that, did I answer your question, Cliff? I, I hope I heard your question correctly. I, uh, I believe you did. So we will go to uh, Keith here in Edmonton. Uh, Keith, you're live with Jim in the panel. Go ahead. All right. Um... My wife and I are both in our 80s and have been collecting Canada Pension for years now. We would like to know how, what the balance is going to be between uh, uh, the, the weight of having pension controlled in Alberta versus the stability of the pension for pensioners who are depending on this pension for their uh, financial so, Keith, it, may, may I may I ask the question? Are, are you concerned that that there that an Alberta pension plan would not treat you exactly the way you are treated today by the Canada Pension Plan? I'm more concerned at, at about the balance between. Uh, taking control of the pension plan by Alberta versus the stability of the plan for uh, seniors who are depending on it. That, in other words, I hear the, the message coming through that a major motivation for doing this is to uh, have control and take control away from Ottawa uh, for the pension plan and have, have the the uh, control over these, this uh, financial instrument, and I'm concerned that that might take precedence over the uh, benefits that would be accrued and, and dispersed then to seniors. Why fix? Why Why can't fix something if you're not broken? Well, uh, Keith, I hear. I think I hear you and your your good wife making that comment. That the 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 law provides that we that Alberta may do this, 
and the government has said, here are some facts. And if Albertans agree, and in this case, by way of referendum, there, there would establish an Alberta pension plan. If that was the case, the, the pension plan has to deliver the same or better benefits that you, than you are receiving today. And I hear your, I think I hear your concern that is that asset, is that, is that billions of dollars, that pool of money, is it going to be as secure in Alberta and away from political, I'll say political decision-making as, as, as much as you are confident that the CPP runs that way today? And, and I, what I'm hearing from you is that if, if the province was to proceed, there needs to be the same assurance to, to people like you and all other Albertans that that money would be dedicated and devoted only to paying benefits in the Canada Pension Plan. Is, is that a fair summary of, of the assurance that you need? You said it better than I did. <laughs> but, but why fix what's not broken? Well, well uh, this is, uh, I, the, the point that the province has made in this report is that, that, cre uh, that enabling that, that money that is due to Albertans for an Alberta pension plan would be an amount such that, that now this is what the report says, I'll wait to hear your re feedback or reaction, is that, that contribution rates could be dropped by as much as from four and a half to 5% currently down to as low as 3% or benefits that are paid to you and your husband could actually go up now, or a, or a combination of both. Now, I know some things sound too good to be true, but depending upon the final number, the benefits could go up or contribution rates could go down. And in that sense, it's not, it's not that it's broken, it's just that it would be advantageous for Albertans, possibly, if this were to happen. And I guess what I'm asking you is, would you, would you be supportive of that if that assurance that I talked to your husband about was, was, was written into the legislation and the practices were as, as good as we are confident the CPP does today? Maybe we've lost Keith, um, but uh, we, we might have uh, lost Keith. But uh, thank you, thank you, Jim, for your comments, and thank you, Keith, for the for the conversation. Uh, I have a question here from Jenny, uh, which comes in from our online portal. How will Alberta's withdrawal from the CPP financially impact other Canadians' financial future in the CPP? And I'll ask Mary to answer this question. Thank you for the question, Jenny, and. Um... The impact on other Canadians would have to be determined. It, it really does come down to what is the number that Alberta share is. The impact on other Canadians would likely be small. Uh, they would still have the Canada pension plan that they would fund moving forward for their own pensions. Um, and that is my understanding of it. Uh, the impact would not be that great. Look at Quebec, which is funding its own pension plan all on its own. The premiums are slightly larger than those of other Canadians, but not that significantly larger. So that's the best thing I could 
point you towards the impact would not be uh, devastating. They would still have that amount that they had all put in, just like you and I have from our own paychecks. And that amount would be managed and paid out to them over time as they retired. I hope that answers your question, Jenny. I think what I'm hearing from you is you want to make sure that everyone is still okay with whatever the pension plan is, whether Alberta is in or not. And I can only assure you that there is no money lost to the rest of Canadians that they have put in as well on their own behalf. Thank you, Mary, for those comments. Uh, we have a live caller. It's Joseph from Fort Saskatchewan. Joseph, you're, go ahead, you're live with the panel. Yeah, hi there. Um, my question maybe overlaps with Cliff and some of the others have said. I just wonder how, I'm in support of an Alberta pension plan. I just wonder what it looks like in terms of, will there be um, mandatory payments from both the Alberta side and the CPP still? Would we, we would, what does it look like in terms of the distribution? Uh, people that have already paid in for years, like the elderly couple, uh, will they be receiving then two uh, payments? Things like that. What, is, what does it look like on the big picture? Uh, Joseph, I'll yeah. take a shot at this first. Um, if you've been paying into the CPP, you would get, get your check from then. This would be moving forward if you have um, a new Alberta pension plan, if uh, those amounts that you put in from the commencement of that plan would then be paid to you. So you would likely get two checks, a CPP and an Alberta, but to those who had already been putting in, their monies would be uh, likely from the Canada Pension Plan. But this has all got to be uh, worked out and uh, it's something we have to examine moving forward. But there is a potential for one check or two checks. Jim, do you want to add to or Moyen? Only, only Mary, that, that the, when, a, when the Alberta, if, if uh, voters, Albertans agreed that there should be one and the government proceeded, the new Alberta Pension Plan Administration in the year that they start would have to assume the responsibilities that the CPP is currently is currently um, fulfilling, in, in, as I understand it, including sending the check to to Joseph or to Keith and his wife. Um, that that the Alberta Pension Plan would assume that responsibility on day one, and as I understand it, the CPP would stop would would fund Alberta to pay for to pay Keith's and Joseph's uh, pensions uh, when the Alberta pension plan begins its work. So that would seamlessly, be seamlessly and without a hiccup or without an interruption in the flow of benefits because uh, it, it, it would have to be the same amount or more in order to meet the Canada pension plan requirements. So once those monies were transferred to Alberta, they would then be paid out to the beneficiaries. Yep. Excellent. Thank you very much, panel. We do have uh, a live question here from Patrick in St. Albert. Uh, Patrick, you're live with Moyen in the panel. 
Patrick, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, um, Patrick. Yeah, hear you. yeah, so it's actually, I guess, two comments. First off, is just I'm, I'm, I'm against the Canada Pension Plan. I, I echo the comment, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. And um, I get that you've got some some background there. Uh, the, the research says we might get more or pay less. Um, but if it ain't broken, don't fix it. The, the question I have is, like, I'm wondering why we're already into, like, town halls. Has there been a survey done among the general public just to even find out if this is something of interest to Albertans? Um, well, go ahead, Jim. No, Moyne, you go ahead. Well, I just wanted to... Um, I think uh, the caller, uh, Patrick, you said you were against a Canada pension plan, but I think you meant to say, given the context of your question, you're against an Alberta pension plan. Yes, sorry, uh, I'm, I'm against to... the Alberta pension yeah. plan. Yeah, okay, yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Uh, Jim, uh, you wanted to? Only, Patrick, uh, the panel that Moyne served on, the Fair Deal panel, was recommended to the province that they that they consider and look at an Alberta pension plan. They did so by commissioning Morneau Chappelle to write the report. The report was released. And now through the, this process of town hall meetings is, is to have these kinds of conversations, to hear your comments that clearly you've decided that you're against it. I respect that. Uh, others have questions like Joseph or Keith or Cliff have had questions about how it would work if there was such a plan. And it's not, that's that's part of our mandate is to inform uh, and be part of this engagement process. We will report back to the government when we are done, and and then the government will decide what next steps they want to take. But clearly, we've heard you loud and clear that that the, that you're against it. Uh, we're not asking. We're not asking that. That's not our mandate. In the end, if the government decides to go with a referendum, you will be the judge and jury if if uh, if a ref when if and when a referendum takes place. But the premier has said there will not be any movement on an Alberta pension plan without moving ahead on one without a referendum. Have I captured that, Patrick? That you are against it, no matter what. Just yes, it's just the, uh, the concern I have is that this is very expensive and a referendum isn't cheap. And I would love to see the Alberta yeah. government do a, a a randomized survey to find out before there's a referendum. I mean, if if it's 80% one way or the other, uh, it can probably save some money. If it turns out nobody wants it, uh, then why go ahead with a referendum, for example? Well, let us make note of your comment, especially about expense. And we'll uh, we'll put it put it down into the comments for uh, for this evening. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick, and uh, thank you, Jim, for those comments. Uh, we understand that there are lots of callers on the line, so please stay on the line, and we will answer your questions as soon as possible. Uh, we have a caller, uh, live caller, in John from Edmonton. John, go ahead. You're live with Jim and the panel. Hi, I'd like to know if one was not able to get 53% of the Canada pension plan funds, what is the break-even point to ha have an Alberta pension plan be worthwhile? 
Mary, you want to try that one? Uh, that's going to have to be studied at that point. Uh, there, the number will likely be something different than 53%, possibly more, possibly less. And studies are going to have to be done about what is the, uh, how would this be set up? What would the administration look like? And uh, that is something that is yet to be done, but there would have to be something to examine this. Uh, John, as, as I understand it, the 53% number is out there. No, 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 no question about that. Trevor Toome, a well-regarded economist at the University of Calgary, put out a number that thought it was somewhere between 125 and $150 billion. Even if it was that amount of money, there's still sufficient room for a, the, a combination of two things, one or both of these things, an increase in benefits for seniors, a reduction in contributions by working people and as well as their employers today, or as I say, a combination of both. But if, if it was 125 or $150 billion, clearly it would, be, uh, it would remain advantageous for Albertans in having their own Alberta pension plan. Does that answer your Thank question, John? To a certain extent, yes. The bottom line is uh, we need 20% of the Canada pension plan to make this work. I, I'm sorry, sir. I, I don't have the exact number of what that would be, but, but clearly with the amount that uh, Albertans have put into the plan and uh, what benefits have been paid out. There is currently, in the, in the given year, it could be as much as $8 billion in contributions by Albertans and employers. Yet the benefits that are paid to Albertans today are in the order of $5 billion, plus or minus. So we're looking at upwards of $3 billion over contribution by the four and a half million Albertans beyond what is needed to pay benefits. And, and that, if, if that was zero, zero, if that was uh, the same number, we would be well ahead in making sure that uh, the Alberta pension plan was viable. Thank you, Jim, for your comments. And we will go to our next live caller here. Uh, Jeff, you're live with Mary in the panel. Go ahead. Yes, good evening. Hello. In theory, um, setting up an Alberta pension plan is an idea definitely worth exploring. You know, transferring control of such assets to Alberta closer to the people, as long as it's at low cost, it's always a good thing. And we're having these conversations because someone figures there's this huge pot of money available, right? We're told it could be as high as $350 billion or close to 50% of the value of the CPP. You know, but whatever the number is, whatever this vast sum is, its management does not necessarily require vast sums. I've seen estimates that the current management costs of the CPP are in excess of $5 billion a year, which presumably Alberta pays a pro rata share of 50% or 
two and a half billion a year. I don't know what the number is, but it's a ridiculous amount. Amount. And on page four of the LifeWorks report, I see that the admin costs of an AB plan could be as low as seventy-five million dollars a year. That's three percent of AB's. Alberta's current administration costs to remain in the CPP. And to me, that's where the real saving and value lies in exiting the CPP. But if we can't control those costs, then this entire exercise will just be another expensive boondoggle for the politically well-connected, to the detriment of the Albertans who have and do and will contribute to the plan. So how will those management costs of running an Alberta pension plan be controlled? I have a go at this, uh, uh, Jeff, and, and what I'm hearing is that you are, in theory, in favour of this. So to set up an independent group would require an independent management system, um, an oversight board, an investment side to it all, and to do that in the uh, most efficient way possible. So that is uh, uh, something that has not been determined. It's uh, something that would be a possibility, but um, have to be managed well. So yes, you're correct. There would be significant costs. One would have to make sure they're well set up. Uh, when I sat on the original CPP investment board, that was all our intent was minimize cost, maximize return, and something like that would have to happen here as well. But Jeff, what I hear from you is that you want to make sure that no matter what happens, that cost control is a priority. Is that right? Sounds like we've lost Jeff. But no, that's a true story. Jeff, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Jeff, do we still have you on the line? Yes, I think so. That's exactly what I what I'm saying. Costs need to be maintain uh controlled otherwise the savings aren't there right that well we we made note of that sir and we'll make sure we include that in our uh, report on the meeting tonight thank, thank you. you thank you thank you for that jeff and uh thank you to the panel for your comments we do have a, another live caller here uh artist you're live you're sorry that yeah, that's an online question. My apologies. Uh, Artis asks, how will this APP impact our campaign to encourage workers to move to Canada and or Alberta? And I'll ask Jim to answer that question. Thank you, Artis. Um, it, it is, I, in my view, it is one more feature uh, on top of many others, I think, that make living in Edmonton or Calgary or Lethbridge or Red Deer or Fort McMurray or anywhere else in this province, an attractive place for you to move to. Uh, if, you've made, if anybody's made that decision, we, we would we'd naturally welcome them. But if, 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 and to John's question and Patrick's question, is if those funds come to Alberta, it is just an ex taking making our investment sector and the ripple effect about our investment sector just that much larger and more and with more bulk and more weight and more influence and i my view is that that 
that assuming that all of those portability and reciprocity agreements that they can be worked out in the three-year period that is laid out in the legislation I'm conf and I'm confident that it can be done just as the Quebec pension plan has done it with the CTP that that makes uh, moving to Alberta and attracting more people young and old to come and live here and work here or retire here just makes us that much more of an attractive place to move to. So thanks for your question, Artis. And thank you for your comments, Jim. We have a live caller uh, in Donna in Edmonton. Uh, Donna, you're live with Mary in the panel. Hello, um, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is more around the supplemental benefits. So the death benefit and the disability benefits uh, available under CPP. And would this be something that's available through the APP? Um, I'll take a go at this, Donna. The uh, plan would have to be as good as the existing plan and the requirements of the existing plan would have to be continued under an a APP. So it's a great question and uh, a good thing for you to, to wonder about, but all those uh, benefits would have to be there. Thank you for those comments, Donna, and thank you for your response, Mary. We have uh, a live question from Tim in Sherwood Park. Tim, go ahead, you're live with Moyen in the panel. Hi there, I'm just wondering how we're supposed to uh, recoup our, our uh, like $300 billion from uh, the CPB fund and how it's going to like affect everybody else with their court proceedings and everything else. It'd be like years and then <clears throat> we only uh, have when the, when the APP kicks in, then we're only going from that time period and the rest is all CPP. Um, Tim, let me take a stab at that if I may. Uh, Armoin, how about you? Well, uh, let me just uh, maybe set up the mechanics and then, uh, Jim, you can yeah. uh, add to it. So uh, mechanically how this would happen is if uh, the government of Alberta decided um, let's say through the referendum process that uh, the results were that we wanted to uh, exit CPP, they would give notice to the uh, federal government, to the Canada Pension Plan Administrator, that uh, we are um, uh, we want to exit, and then the Canada that's a three-year process, so there would be a three-year window or um, notice period, and during that uh, three-year period, we would have to uh, square up all the assets. So. Um, the CPPIB and the government of Alberta would have to negotiate how how much we'd have to land on a number, and that's why the back and forth is going on right now between the province and the feds. But uh, also, then there would have to be a, a mechanical um, question of uh, moving the assets from the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board account into an APP account, and that could be done through various uh, methods, either. You leave it with the CPPIB initially, and then move it over time, or you, or they cut us a check for 350 billion, or however much the amount is, and we take it and uh, start our own uh, plan right away. So that's uh, that's what the three-year uh, window is there for. 
Uh, and then moving forward, uh, maybe uh, Jim, you can uh, address uh, some of the other concerns. Well, uh, Tim, I think uh, Moyne probably captured most of what you needed to know. Is there any? Is there anything else that in your question that I, we need to respond to? Uh, it's just uh, I don't understand how. How if if it just kicks in in three years from now, is all this money that we're going to be fighting for in court for the next like three to five years? gonna be just gone or like because the people that are paying into it once it kicks in is that going to be a new pension from that point of time and the rest is all on canada pension tim as, as i understand it there will not be uh sort of a uh, an, an interruption the the period between uh, continuing with the canada pension plan until Albertans decide whether they agree with an Alberta pension plan, it would then take three years while CPP would continue to make payments. And that on the, at the start of the fourth year, the Alberta pension plan would be set up, would be established, would be ready to assume the CPP's responsibilities for Alberta retirees. So, well, if you, as you say, if, they, if there's wrangling going on for two, three, four, five years, nothing will happen. Uh, and there will not be a transition period started until that wrangling comes to an end. And only three years later will the APP kick in and assume the CPP responsibilities. But while that wrangling is going on, I, it's safe to assure all of us that the Canada Pension Plan would continue to deliver the benefits you're entitled to. Thank you for those comments uh, from the panel. We do have another live question from Dominic in Edmonton. Dominic, go ahead. You're live with Jim in the panel. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for taking my question. Uh, so it's no question that Albertans and Canadians have their concerns regarding Alberta leaving the CPP and the proposed APP, and specifically, it's the August 1st report that estimates that Alberta is entitled to 53% of CPP assets. So at face value, it does sound pretty ridiculous uh, to most people. However, after reading the report, specifically Appendix B of the report, uh, checking the references, checking the assumptions, doing the calculations, the claim of to 53% of CPP assets seems pretty legitimate. So my that being said, my question is twofold. So number one, Christia Freeland has commissioned a report uh, to determine what portion of current CPP assets Alberta would be entitled to. And this is a game of politics, so this will undoubtedly undercut LifeWorks estimate. So in order to validate LifeWorks estimate, does Alberta plan to conduct a similar analysis for every other province to verify that the sum of all assets each province is entitled to adds up to 100% of CPP's assets? And if not, how does the government of Alberta plan to validate that estimate? And then my second question is uh, regarding misinformation. There's a lot of misinformation spreading throughout Alberta and Canada regarding this debate. Most, re most residents and citizens are citing secondhand sources when it comes to the CPP debate. Um, I noticed that the August 1st report has been downloaded from the government website just over 23,000 times as of this morning. 
So that means that less than 1% of Alberta's workforce is citing the primary source of the CPP debate. So that being said, how does the government of Alberta plan to fight misinformation and inform its residents of what leaving the CPP means for them, while mainstream media is quite frankly ridiculing uh, the idea of Alberta leaving the CPP? Dominic, that's uh, that's a, a lot to uh, try to try to grapple with. But let me let me make a couple of comments. Uh, I when I saw the number, Dominic, I'll admit I too was gobsmacked. And and on the on the face of it, it just it, it was gobsmacking. Period. Um, and then I did what you did. I went in and read the report and saw the work that had been done especially on pages 48 and 49, and I encourage you to be the 23,000-and-once person uh, to, um, to uh, download the report and go to pages 48 and 49, and the numbers show what Dominic has described. The, uh, in fairness, the rest of the country was equally gobsmacked, and they've asked the Minister of Finance to ask the Canada's chief actuary to report and on on his interpretation on I'm sorry on her interpretation of what the number is and that number the province hopes it will receive soon and um, and and then these this conversation can continue uh, once they once the government has that number as for doing an actuarial report for nine other or I'm sorry eight other provinces and three territories. Um, I, 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 I'll refer that question to the Minister of Finance for Alberta, but I suspect that the answer is unlikely he, that he would would do that. But clearly, there's more negotiations to be had, uh, and uh, and the Alberta government will do whatever it can to act both in Alberta's and Canada's best interests. And I think that's a fair summation of what Minister Nate Horner has said most recently. But thanks for your comments, Dominic. Thank you uh, to Jim and thank you to Dominic for your concerns. Uh, I will now uh, open up the line to Dennis and Edmonton. Dennis, you're live with Jim and the panel. Good evening and thank you for this opportunity. Um, based on present information, I'm not in favor of an Alberta pension plan. However, there is a significant lack of information to make a proper decision. It's obvious to me that this is a huge decision for Albertans, and as a result, objectivity and transparency is paramount far in advance of a referendum or decision. One way to do this is to publish a business case that sets out the various options, each with their own issues, risks, opportunities, threats, pros and cons, and financials. This business case should be shared with all appropriate parties, such as the CPP board, the Alberta NDP, and acquire feedback that is shared with all. Has this been contemplated, and if not, why not? If so, where can we view things? Also, I agree with Patrick that to save time and effort and money, why not do a survey as to whether people want an Alberta pension plan or not? Dennis, uh, Mary here, and thank you for your question. This is the first part of the basis for what you've described as the business case, which is 
figuring out what Albertans think about all this. The information's been calculated by LifeWorks. It will be uh, reviewed by the chief actuary. And then there are the whole aspects of what would it cost to set up and administer such a plan. But first of all, the decision has to be, are Albertans in favor of it uh, before we complete the whole business case? And that is what the um, Premier has stated in that we're doing phase two, if you will, right now of that whole review of, of this possibility and getting feedback from, from all Albertans. And we are then reporting it on to the, uh, to the government. So I would say this would be the beginnings of a, of a survey, if you will. Uh, the business case, this is the beginnings of it, and there are, is more to come. And we're going to let the government know that people like you really need that information before they feel they can adequately uh, respond to a referendum. So we're, we're in the beginning part of this. Thank you, Mary. And thank you, Dennis, for your comments. Uh, we have an online question here from Susan who writes, where would Albertans get their old age security from under a new APP? And Mary, I would have you answer that question, please. It would continue as it is currently. It is, um, it is separate of the CPP and that would continue. That's a good question. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, we now have a live caller in Garth from Edmonton. Garth, you're live with Jim and the panel. Thank you for taking my call. I have two comments. Uh, the first one um, sort of follows up on some of the previous people. I think the fund should be managed privately with a provincial oversight board to try and keep uh, politics out of it as much as possible. My second comment, I'm 64 years old and collecting since age 60. And uh, everyone I talk to kind of in my age group is the biggest um, fear is just a fear of change. I think the Alberta government would be well off uh, if they would just assure people that nothing will change for five years. Nothing needs to change. There's no need for any change. It's not broke. Don't fix it. You know, you've heard all the comments. And then, you know, when we're five years into making payments or uh, through the five-year process every year, update Albertans, and if it should happen that we amass so much money, we don't know what to do with it, then uh, we can, you know, lower premiums, increase payments. But the biggest concern I'm hearing from people is just a fear of change. And if you can assure people nothing's going to change except the name on the check, then uh, I think you'll go a long ways. And uh uh, hopefully you understand I'm 100% in favor of APP. So you, if you'd comment on those two things. Uh, Garth, just to, to say that, you know, hearing you loud and clearly, um, and people are always afraid of change. And I think the thing to remember is when the CPP Investment Board was set up, it was to invest in equities of all kinds and away from provincial bonds, and people were afraid of that as well. So change is hard for people, and um, I think that's a very good comment that you make. So maybe Jim, over to you and Moyen. Moyen, is there anything you want to add? Um, 
Uh, Garth, thanks for your comments. I, I, I think you've, you've said all that you, you want to say. I, I don't have really have any response and we've made note of your comments, sir, and we'll make sure that they're in the report from this meeting. Thank you. Thank you for those comments. And we understand there's still lots of callers on the line. So please stay on the line and we will answer your questions as soon as possible. Now we have a live caller from Gary and Sherwood Park. Gary, go ahead. You're live with Moyen and the panel. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. And I really appreciate you having these forms. And let me be right up front. I'm in favor of an APP. I wish so a lot of other people have commented on, on these issues, but I wish people would take the emotions out of the debate and really look at the benefits to Albertans for a, a APP. You know, I think during one of the other forums, somebody from lives here in Alberta but said her relatives in Nova Scotia would be affected. Well, you know, I think it's time we start looking after Albertans. We already send billions of dollars in equalization payments. Here's an opportunity for Albertans to be winners, take advantage of our young population, build up a fund to support Albertans with a fantastic pension plan that is, if you look at the report, all, all the report says is, hey, if we don't do this, shake your head. The other, so again, I'm in favor of it. The other, let me make one comment that the CBC can uh, comment on. You know, if, if the NDP is against this, if Trudeau and Freeland are against it, if the rest of the Canadian provinces are against it, and of course, if the old CBC and their liberal friends are against it, it must be a fantastic idea. So let's get on with it. I'm glad you're listening to people, what people say. I'm in favor of it. Let's get the plan in place. Referendum, yes. But let's, let's, let's do something that benefits Albertans. Thank you very much. Have a great evening. Thank you, Gary. And we've made note of your, your comments. Thank you, Gary, and thank you to the panel. We have a live uh, caller, Jason in Edmonton, around contributions to CPP. Jason, you're live with Jim in the panel. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a, it's a two-part question, essentially. The first part of it is, essentially, do we have population data as a percent of the population in Alberta that contribute to CPP versus the rest of Canada? And the second part of that question is, do we have the same type of data for the median contribution to CPP in Alberta versus the median amount compared to the rest of Canada. Moyne or Mary, want to take a stab at that? Sorry, could you uh, just, uh, I was trying to write down your question. Um, could you restate it? Do you want to know the median yeah. contribution <laughs> Yeah, essentially I'm trying to, trying to assess the sustainability, I guess, of the CPP with other factors as well, right? So if, let's say, 40% of Albertans contribute, of the Alberta population contribute to CPP versus 35 of the rest of Canada, right, uh, th that would be a percentage uh, that I'm kind of potentially looking for, as well as the median contribution. So let's say if that 35% in Alberta contribute, say, 1,200 every month, as an example, to CPP or annually, whatever that would be, versus, you know, 800 for the rest of Canada, 
I wanted to see what the differential is, uh, or if we have that data even. Yeah, I, I, I don't have that data right now off the top of my head, uh, but, I, you know, we, we know, as Jim mentioned, that uh, on average in the last, uh, I want to say 20 years, or at least definitely 10 years, we've been putting $3 billion. We've been um, contributing about $8 billion, and uh, retirees are drawing about $5 billion, so we're sort of in a surplus. And I understand that, you know, every uh, ratepayer or a, a contributor is the same across the country, but in aggregate, Albertans are... Uh, sending $3 billion more uh, than they're taking in. So uh, clearly our population is uh, putting much more in. And I think uh, British Columbia and Ontario are in a similar situation, but then there are other provinces that are net recipients. So they're getting more back in than they're putting. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, one could probably work backwards induce uh, the medians from that kind of uh, data, but uh, I suspect that data is available. I just don't have it off the top of my head. And that's perfectly fine. I think having more visibility in that data would uh, definitely enlighten, I guess, the sustainability and some of the fears, as well as hedge uh, future uh, events as we get more mig migrants going into Alberta due to uh, housing or whatever economic situation that might be, or job opportunities, et cetera, right? So, but it would be nice to have that uh, data readily uh, available. Thank yeah, you. and I, I think that's a good comment and uh, noted. And, uh, and and you know, they you're you're coming at it from the same angle that the LifeWorks report is coming at it from too, which is that the extra money that's going into the CPP uh, ID assets are would are what are entitling Albertans to the, uh, the 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 dollar amount that LifeWorks arrived at. Uh, so it's coming at it's, it's arriving at, from the same uh, angle that you are. So I think uh, perhaps if we can get that data in, in our final report, that would be something good. Jason, may I make just one suggestion? If you go to the report found at albertapensionplan.ca, it's a it's almost a 100-page report, and the 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 guts and much some of the information you're actually asking for, you'll find in the in the fine print in the appendices to the report. And I'd encourage you to do that. And if you still can't get that information, you can send a note to comments, comments at albertapensionplan.ca and we'll do our best to direct you to where, uh, if it's not in the report, where you might be able to find that. So thank you for your, for your comments. And thank you, panel, for, for addressing Jason's concerns. We have a live question from Darlene in Edmonton. Go ahead, Darlene. You're live with Mary in the panel. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, I am in favor uh, of the APP. Um, many of the questions I probably would have addressed today, I've actually heard you address them already. So. There is just a couple comments I want to say that I have noticed is that as well, people are always concerned about change. And I do feel that there, if there is a little bit of assurance to the Alberta pensioners or those getting ready to get to that point, that they will have this still in place for them and they have that security, it will go a long way. Um, Alberta is one of the lowest, I think it is the lowest tax rated province for all of Canadians, and Alberta has shown to be a business province. We know the federal government takes much more in equalization payments from us than 
any other province, and yet at, at the end of it, Alberta is one of the least important provinces in the scope of the federal government. They view other provinces much different than us. The final thing I wanted to say is that if you were to look at all the other provinces, Sure, they're going to be against us moving out, and the reason being is that it is going to not be a benefit to them. It will benefit Albertans, and I think Alberta should stand up for themselves. If a person was to look at this and see that the Quebec people have not been part of the Canada Pension Fund, and yet the Quebec people receive pensions and they somehow seem to manage, I think Alberta is more than capable of being able to do this. So that is just my comments. I do think that Albertans, I have talked to a number of people, and it is. It's the security and the being scared of change that the Alberta government does need to address. Arlene, uh, if I may, thank you for your comments. Uh, what I heard most uh, loud and clear was the need for greater assurance around uh, and security so that Albertans, if, if Albertans decided that they wanted an Alberta pension plan, that that, that transition period and that the continuation of benefits, you're saying they need that assurance that the security is there. And if, if that's fair, we'll, we'll capture your comments in, uh, in our report. Thank you for that panel. Uh, we do have uh, two similar questions here around portability. So Ed from St. Albert uh, would like to know a little bit about more, sorry, would want to know a little bit about portability. And we do also have a live caller, uh, Gail in Edmonton. Uh, go ahead, you're live with Mary in the panel. Hello, uh, I've, I have children and grandchildren working in different provinces. And we're both in our 80s. We, we might be tempted to move uh, to a different province. Is, is, how does one go into the, into the Alberta pension plan and then out of the bed pension plan? If we move back, do we get back into the pension plan? Is it, is it something that will be Portable. 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 Yes. Hello. Are you uh, there? Gail. <laughs> Hi, Gail. It's me. Portability is the key element of the current Canada Pension Plan, um, and that would have to also be part of any new Alberta Pension Plan. Similarly, for people who work in Quebec and move different places, portability would have to be a key element in this. So that is a very good question and something would have to be examined from uh, the, the law entrenching the new, if there was a new plan. Um, Gail and Ed, uh, I know you both had comments or questions about portability. I, I think Mary's absolutely right that, that if 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 you Gail decided to move to another province, and a, and if an Alberta pension plan was in place, you would continue. If I'm not mistaken, you would continue to receive your Alberta pension plan benefits if you lived 
in Montreal or in Victoria with your near your kids and grandkids. And if they moved here, that same portability of their pensionable service would come to Alberta. And if they retired here, that service earned in New Brunswick or Victoria or Toronto would go into the calculation of their Alberta pension plan benefits. Um, uh, that 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 would ha that is a that would have to be a core element of an Alberta pension plan if one was to go ahead. But uh, we made note of your concerns about portability, both you moving to where your grandkids are, or your grandkids and children moving down the street from where you live, uh, to ensure that they still receive recognition for their pensionable service. Thank you. Thank you, Jim, and thank you to the panel. We have a live caller, Darren from Edmonton, with a specific question for Jim. Darren, go ahead. You're live with Jim in the panel. Hi, Darren. Thank you for holding this panel this evening and taking my phone call. Uh, Mr. Denning, this question is for you. Uh, what, if you can list five things for me that uh, you feel are mismanaged currently with the CPP? Um, Darren, I, I, I don't have five things. I don't have five criticisms of the Canada pension plan today, nor how they invest their money. Uh, I'm a beneficiary. I put it, I put over 45 years of, of, uh, working service in made contributions and I receive a pension. And I have no complaints about the, the service that uh, I get from the Canada Pension Plan. What I think about, uh, and so I can't, I can't give you that long list. Some would be critical of their expensive investment, uh, uh, the, the, the amount they spend on investments to, uh, to earn their rate of return, but I have no quibble, I have no quarrel. I only think about the benefits that might accrue to my children and to my grandchildren uh, that someday if if that sum of money was managed and controlled in Alberta, making decisions like Mary described about making the best possible returns within a, a, a certain risk tolerance, if those decisions could be made in Alberta, by Albertans, creating jobs that come with it, good jobs that come with it, and attracting other businesses to come to Alberta to service that industry. I see that as a benefit. And so I'll, I'll, I, I, that's my, that's a positive, I would say, but I cannot be critical about the CPPIB. But let me say this, and I know there's a question on the line, I think about, are there risks associated with doing this? Absolutely. This is not a risk-free proposition. And this, this is not going to be easy to do. And we're, 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 we're here listening to you and on behalf of the government. And the government has made it clear, this won't be easy. If it was easy, it probably would have been done by now. But just as there are risks with running an Alberta pension plan, there are also risks associated with the Canada pension and Alberta pension plan, just as there are risks associated with the Canada pension plan. The CPPIB performed reasonably well in the last reporting quarter. 
but their return on their investment was 0.1% in the last quarter. That probably beat a whole bunch of other funds' performance. But to say that this is a risk-free proposition would be, would be wrong. And I don't think anybody's ever tried to hide the, the notion that this is there, there are risks that must be carefully and responsibly managed. And, and if there's one thing I would contribute to the report as an Albertan, it is recognizing that and making sure that the process put in place, the organization, the administration has put in place, uh, identifies those risks and tells us how they're going to manage those risks. So that would be my comment, Darren. Thank you, Darren, and uh, thank you, Jim. We have a question here from Darlene in Edmonton around CPP, sorry, APP contributions. Mary, uh, sorry, Darlene, go ahead. You're live with Mary in the panel. Hi. Um, it was mentioned earlier about reduced contributions was a possibility, but how will that affect returns? What we right now we pay in and we get back what we paid in. So if you reduce those contributions, how does that affect us as an individual? And I have another question after too. Uh, Darlene, I'll take a, a shot at that. It wouldn't uh, affect what you've put in to date. Uh, it's just simply saying, because there's a larger amount to be invested, there is a potential for reducing moving forward contributions or uh, increasing benefits. So you start with a pool that you uh, have to begin with. So that wouldn't change. I hope that answers your question. Uh, what about the ones that are coming in that are new? Uh, if you have a large pool that is investing and getting good returns, then they would continue to enjoy with their new contributions going in there, those, uh, those benefits. But as Jim said, that comes with risk. You'd have to make sure you're managing it, managing costs and managing the uh, overall returns net of costs. So uh, existing uh, would benefit from a large pool of money, new would benefit from this large pool plus their own contributions as well. I think I'm answering your question, but maybe uh, let me ask you if I am. Um, yes and no. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding existing, uh, but I'm talking also uh, young people uh, say this gets on board, et cetera. Now you have uh, these young people who haven't worked. They're going to start working, and they are going to put in a reduced contribution. What is going to happen to uh, them as far as their returns if you do reduce contribution. What I'm trying to get at, I guess, is are you doing a share program of some sort or are you doing, uh, as CPP is doing right now, pay in, get back? It would be exactly that, pay in, get back. And uh, we have a population that's young um, well-employed, and so, yes, they, their payments that are going in, on average, are what's creating this 
excess of eight dollars in eight pardon me billion dollars in per year versus five million out so that would formula would continue if that uh, um, makes sense it is just a mathematical formula of an amount based on salary uh, and pay as you go as well thank you for that comment mary and thank you for your question darlene uh, Oops, sorry, go ahead. Did you have a follow-up question? Um, I did, thank you. Um, I'm going to clarify, um, just to clarify, verify, uh, repeating what someone else had said earlier, um, will there be a possible missed check when and if the actual APP steps in? Example, uh, we get a CPP, say, on July, so in August we will get an APP, or will there be? Is it will it be that smooth of a transition, or is there going to be a hiccup? Again, uh, just to take a go at this, there'd have to be a smooth transition. This would not be an easy process; it'd be a complicated process. But those checks coming are important to people. And uh, there could not be any lost overtime monies to anybody. Uh, what you've put in is what you're entitled to get. And uh, there would have to be a smooth transition. That would be part of the whole undertaking if such a thing were to happen. And, and thank you. I, I, I know this is an important question to people. We weren't, we're going to make sure we note this in our report as well. Thank you for that comment, Mary. Uh, I know we, we're about 10 minutes away from conclusion. We're gonna try and get through as many questions as possible. We have a live caller from Keith in Edmonton. Keith, you're live with Jim and the panel. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, personally, I, I'm all for the Alberta Pension Plan and believe it's a no-brainer because of the extra money that we send to Confederation for the CPP. Um, and like most things, we pay more than we get in uh, benefits. Um, in my personal case, I, having a, an option of uh, an Alberta pension plan at higher premium, or at, sorry, at higher uh, benefits would be great for my wife and I. Um, I don't have any savings due to a, the health of a loved one, which is now on the plus side, so, but I don't have any savings. And uh, any little extra bit would help me and my wife. Currently, I have a good friend that uh, is able to help me out for months and months, but it's just right now like a, I'm a, I borrow, pay back, borrow, pay back. Anyway, um, that's the most positive thing for me in the budget pension plan. Keith, uh, thanks for your comments. We'll, we've made note of them and we'll include them in our report. Thank you for those comments, Keith, and thank you for your response, Jim. Uh, we have a caller, Lucas in Edmonton. Uh, Lucas, you're live with Moyen in the panel. Uh, hi there. Um, uh, hopefully the uh, most recent callers were also listening because I think that there's a few pieces of information that I can pass along. Uh, before my question, I just kind of want to, I, I did a little bit of research for, for, for my question. So, um, 
information from Stats Canada. The population of uh, uh, Canada as a whole estimated to be around 40 million, of which 18.8% are over 65. Medium age is 41. The pro, the uh, uh, for the province of Ontario, which is estimated to about 15 million, the uh, amount of people that are over 65 is 18%. Going to Alberta, which is only 4.6 million, um, only 14.8% of the population in Alberta is over 65. Now, why do I bring all that information? Um, the narrative from the government has been, hey, we pay more than all the other provinces combined, or not combined, but the, than all the other provinces in comparison. Um, that is true because we have a much younger population. But it is also false because myself earning, let's say, uh, which is the maximum contribution uh, of, let's say, uh, 64900 that's the ceiling, contribution ceiling for CPP. If I earn $65,000 a year, for example, and Joe Schmo from Ontario owns six, uh, earns $65,000 a year, his contributions towards the CPP are no lower than mine. We're equal because the amount contributed is based off of the amount that you earn, not based off of province to province. However, how, how much you earn over the span of your career is going to be based, uh, reflective of how much you're going to get. So the idea of moving to just a population of 4.6 million and managing that versus uh, a population of 40 million, um, we, right now we have a younger population compared to the other provinces. Um, 20 years down the road, that's not going to be necessarily the case. So it's not a contribution problem in my mind, it's a demographic problem. And to basically to more cushion the yo-yo blow of the uh, demographics that are going to happen one way or the other, it is much better to kind of, uh, that cushion to be absorbed by 40 million people rather than 46 so there's the, there's the information for Jason about, you know, hey, medium age and, or what's the population, that kind of thing. Um, as far as, you know, the other comments, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, I completely agree. Uh, Mr. Dinning, you said you really can't find anything wrong with the CPP that you can, you know, name off, you know, not five, but maybe two or three things or whatever. Um, my last comment on that, and then I'm, you know, uh, await your response is, uh, this whole idea is, oh, the CBC, the NDP, the Trudeau thing. At the beginning of this town hall, the idea is to make this non-political. And yet there's comments that are basically saying, hey, if the other provinces don't like it, that means it must be good for us. The reason why the other provinces don't like it is because we have such a young population currently so that we're Sorry, able to fine. contribute even more. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> No, sorry, I just wanted to give the panel enough time to respond here. So I know Mary had some comments, uh, and then we'll pass it to the rest of the panel. Well, thank you. Demographics are an issue. What happens in Alberta and what happens into the rest of Canada? And uh, you, you've actually uh, uh, nailed it very well. That is an issue, but it's not just an Alberta issue. It's a Canada-wide issue. So thank you. Thank you for your comment, Lucas. And uh, 
thank you for that. We have a, a, a caller here, Andrew, uh, who's live in Edmonton. Uh, Andrew, you're live with the panel. Go ahead. Thank you very much for taking my call. My question is this. Given that previous answers have established that all of the benefits that have been outlined are possibilities, and that we've heard so much of the words possible and if, given that there is no guaranteed number for the amount that, would, that Alberta would receive, given that we don't know where the break-even point is, as was established in an earlier question, for Albertans receiving greater benefits than, than with the CPP, and that given that this may take years in court to decide what an actual number is, as was discussed off the top, how can there only be a discussion of possible benefits, and how can you openly advocate for this without discussion of risk? If it is possible that we get 53%, is it not also possible that in the end, after years of fighting with the rest of the country in court, we end up with less than we would under the CPP, and that if other provinces follow our lead, we destabilize the CPP? Please tell us more about the risks of an APP. Uh, Andrew, before you leave, can you, Ray, can you just give us uh, a couple of, of the ri big risks that you're most concerned about? The big risks that I'm most concerned about? Personally, I think that um, given that it has been said that if other provinces were to use LifeWorks calculation to uh, then also try and remove themselves from the CPP, um, we would get into just a terrible fight with the other provinces in the rest of the country about who is going to grab the most as we all try and leave. So that, that's a that's a risk. That's not a risk to current beneficiaries or current current benefit recipients. Uh, so, but that's a, that's going forward. You're worried about the risk of of a prolonged court legal political battle. Is that fair? I'm in my 40s at the moment, I, and as somebody in my 40s and looking at this as a multi-year process that is going to take a minimum of 10 years to come to fruition, um, mm -hmm. it scares me terribly to think that the I have no guarantees that what is being promised now will be delivered on later if all of the provinces choose to remove themselves from the CPP if Alberta goes forward with this. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's, and is there, can, is there an additional big lumpy risk that you would want us to know about? You is as I've heard you advocate for this, please also give us some discussion of the risk. Yeah. And I tried to do that in an earlier, in an earlier comment when somebody, uh, I think Lucas or, Keith might have mentioned that this is this is not without risk, and I've tried to identify some of those, whether it's demographics or whether it's investment performance. Those are two that that, in my view, come most heavily to mind. And uh, but your but fair point, uh, you want a better discussion about the risks uh, as well as the benefits. Thank, thank you, you for that. Oh, sorry. Uh, thank you for that. And we have our final question of the evening uh, from Jenny. It's an online question. Uh, what happened to the projected cost of setting up an APP? 
does it make sense to take this on take on the significant significant expense? And I'd have Mary from the panel please answer this question. Um, there would definitely be cost to set up a new um, uh, fund, whether it's the management of the administration or the management of the investment side of it. Uh, remember, there are already existing costs to to manage and uh, handle both of those. So uh, would these be similar or greater would be part of a required study. But don't forget, there are currently already costs to bear. And uh, uh, that would be part of the overall, as someone said earlier, business case that has to be made for all of this. Thank you for your comments, Mary. And thank you for joining the call. Before we end, I would like to invite Jim Dinning, Chair of the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel to share a few closing remarks. Uh, thank you for that, Colin. Uh, first of all, to all of the folks who dialed in and uh, participated tonight, thank you. This is part of the, the engagement process, the information process, the sharing of ideas, and we heard lots tonight, and we appreciate the, the input that we got. We heard from people who are strongly opposed to creating an Alberta pension plan. We heard some from some people who are in favor of them. We heard the sort of the everything from uh, portability to uh, responsible management of of um, of the assets to the administration to concern about risks and and not just benefits but risks. So you really did cover cover the waterfront in in, uh, in the discussions tonight. So we thank you for that, and we are doing our very best to to listen and make sure that your views are, will show up when the final report is written. Uh, so thank you for participating and thank you to Mary and to Moyne for uh, your, your uh, engagement and your answering the questions and taking the comments. Thank you, you Colin and all those people who put on the, uh, the, uh, the evening. Thank you for uh, guiding us through this. And to all Albertans, uh, we look forward, if there are more comments that you wanna make, please send them to comments by e by email to comments at albertapensionplan.ca or go online to www.albertapensionplan.ca and leave your comments there. We're open to all of them and we look forward to hearing more comments from all of you. This is our fourth. Uh, uh, there will be a, a fifth panel meeting that will cover more of central Alberta uh, next Wednesday night. If you'd like to join in, you're welcome to do so. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you to Jim and the panel for hosting tonight's Telephone Town Hall. As Jim mentioned, you can join us again on Wednesday, November 22nd at 6.30 p.m. to continue the conversation. To find out more information about the Alberta Pension Plan, I encourage you to visit www.albertapensionplan.ca. Again, that is www.albertapensionplan.ca. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful evening.